Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Last week, I think I told you the line for NFL coach being fined for wearing a mask was was yes plus 110, no minus 150, and I told you to take the yes and the money, and it turns out uh, multiple NFL coaches were fined last week for not wearing a mask, so that was a good bet. The other one, which was will an NFL game be postponed due to COVID, it's, it was plus 500 yes, minus 900 no. I still think that's a pretty good bet, especially with those odds that at least one game uh, will be canceled due to COVID down the line. But anyway, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on sports. Bill Roden here in uh, the middle of the woods, upstate New York. Uh, handed down to um, my good friend, co-host Jamal Murphy, on a uh, really kind of effed up day. Um, grand jury came back in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, once again, you know, uh, white people win. Um, but anyway, Jamal, we'll get into it. You're an attorney, so you can kind of give us a breakdown. Hey, but uh, Murph, what's going on? Not much. Not much, Bill. Like you said, uh, a depressing Thursday afternoon after uh, after the Breonna Taylor news, which, you know, we could have predicted, I think. It's not, it's not shocking at all, but it's just, a not, you know, it's just more depressing. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I guess this, of course, <laughs> uh, a brother, uh, well, quote, unquote, uh, the Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, uh, you know, they put a black guy up there uh, uh, to deliver the news. And then tell us about, I mean, the more you learn about Dan- Daniel Cameron, uh, Cameron, it's the more, I don't know if you want to call it, complicated or compromised it becomes. You know, right. it, it just, it just, you, you could tell us more about this, this, this character, Daniel Cameron, uh, but it, it speaks to the whole um, dismal impact of integration, uh, putting Uncle Tom's in a position where, or, and puppets in a position where white folks can now put forth black folks to deliver bad news about black folks. So tell us about this clown. Daniel Cameron. Yeah, I think uh, compromise is a good word because he's actually, you know, he's a Republican, uh, which, you know, in today's day and age for sure uh, tells you a lot about where he's coming from and where he thinks the country's going. Um, but also he's a, he's a protege of Mitch McConnell. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> so so wow. I don't think I don't think it should be any surprise where he came down on this Breonna Taylor case. I think we, you know, it wasn't something I was paying attention to that closely beforehand. I didn't know uh, his background prior to really prior to the to him coming out with the statement when I when I finally looked him up. So, but if I had looked him up earlier, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I would have been shocked if it went any other way. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, tell us a little bit about him. He's a Republican. Right. Yeah, he's protege. a yeah, Republican, protege of Mitch McConnell. He was, he was Mitch McConnell's counsel for two or three years um, before he became, before he became Kentucky Attorney General. Um, he's, he's a Louisville undergrad. Uh, along with a Louisville uh, law school grad, so you know he spent all his time in Kentucky. That's where he's from. Um, there are even there are even some uh, rumors. I don't know if this hundred percent is true, but people are saying that he's that he's actually married to Mitch McConnell's granddaughter. He's a young guy. Wow, Mitch, 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 McConnell, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, a black granddaughter. Or oh, no, he has a he has a black. What do you call it now? That a son in what? Not son in law, but whatever, whatever it would be. Um, so, so Mitch McConnell's granddaughter was not black. Was no, not black. no, Mitch McConnell's granddaughter is white, and uh, uh, pe- the rule, like I haven't been able to confirm it, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But but people keep saying that that he's married to Mitch McConnell's granddaughter, um, which is uh, interesting. So they're pretty tight. It's been confirmed mm-hmm. that Mitch McConnell was definitely at the we- his wedding, um, which which was only a couple weeks ago. Oh, so he just got married. Right, for the second time. I think that's his second marriage. <laughs> well, you know. Uh and, and what did uh what was what was the rule? I mean, Jamal, you're the attorney. So what was the what was the, the finding? Well, Daniel Cameron announced that no charges, there would be no charges on the officers uh as far as Brianna Taylor's death is concerned. So basically they they ruled they ruled or the grand jury found that the officers were not at any fault as far as Breonna Taylor's murder, but they did charge one of the officers with, uh, with wanton indifference. And that's a, and that's because uh, one of the officers actually shot into another apartment uh, that had nothing to do with the raid. Um, And, and it didn't, the, the shots into the other apartment did not hit anybody. They just hit the wall. Um, but they are charging an officer with wanton indifference as far as that goes. And I think that's between the maximum sentence for that is five years in prison. Um, so you could bet that he'll get off. That he'll, means he'll get a slap on the wrist. He'll be, he'll be back on the job within the year. Correct. And that, and that, and that, that caused people to, you know, to, to say and, and joke about the fact that, um, you know, this country cares more about apartment walls than they do black people because they, they did, they're saying that they're basically not holding anybody responsible for Breonna Taylor's death. They're saying that that was, that was almost part of the job as far as the police officers are concerned. Now, remember what happened was, um, what we know now is that the officers had a no-knock raid warrant uh, on right. the house. Um, there are conflicting reports about whether they even announced themselves as police officers. The, uh, Daniel Cameron noted that the grand jury was provided evidence that there was one neighbor 
one, only one neighbor actually testified to hearing, to hearing the police announce themselves as police. Um, but there's conf there are conflicting reports about that. Like most, most of the witnesses are saying that they didn't, they didn't even know uh, that, that, that the police never announced themselves as such. Um, and then well, somebody said there's, you know, they did an old day, but said, you're supposed to say, stop, shoot, you know, <laughs> right. stop. They say, bam, stop, you know. Right. So uh, Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend were in the house at the time. They were uh, allegedly sleeping at the time and then heard the noises of, of the police trying to get in the house. Uh, the boyfriend didn't know who it was. He was, he assumed that that they were being that the house was being broken into, so he fired a shot um, in in their direction as as they busted the door down, and then the cops responded with numerous shots, and you know basically just you know started shooting wildly, and Breonna Taylor uh, was shot either five or six times, and of course she passed. Right, right. Uh, you know. Um... You know, and I guess the, the, the um, it's just, you know, I've spoken to a few, particularly black women who were, you know, who were just overcome with this emotion because, you know, another, another black person, in this case a black woman, uh, death is going to go unavenged. Um, and I guess, uh, what was the reaction, you know, uh, the WNBA players who have been really leading the charge on this, but I guess if you're a WNBA player, if you're a WNBA, if you're an NBA player, if you're a black person in general, it, it, again, it's sort of you, you could protest and stomp on the ground, but then the result is sort of the same, you know. Um, right. Nobody charged. What I think you said, LeBron had tweeted out something. Yeah, LeBron. I mean, LeBron said, you know, the the neighbors' walls got more justice than Breonna Taylor did. Uh, you know, he, he expressed, his, you know, just like all of us black people, we, we were, none of us were shocked. I remember when I first, um, you know, when I sat down and I saw that they were about to announce the verdict, you know, my first thought was, okay, let me prepare myself. This is probably not going to go well. I mean, I'm almost positive right. that, that they're not going to do the right thing here. And to tell you the truth, I was, I was surprised that there was any kind of charge against any of the three officers. Right. But, but after you know, giving yourself, you know, a few minutes to, to absorb the charges and think about them and really analyze the charge. Um, it, it was really a cop-out because like you said, it's a slap on the wrist. They, it, the charge has nothing to do with Breonna Taylor's death. It has to do with him shooting into a different apartment where nobody got hurt. Right, right, right. right. Well, maybe if there had been a black person who had been killed in the other apartment, there would be an A charge filed. I mean, that's how, that's how it looks. That's how it looks. And then, of course, you have, so, of course, there were protests in Louisville last night, and there was reports that two cops were shot, um, not life-threatening, um, and, they, and they have the, the suspect in custody. So when I hear stuff like that, you can, you can be damn sure that whoever shot those cops will be brought to justice, okay? That's the difference in these situations to me where you have Breonna Taylor, a black, an unarmed black person gets killed. The black community, you know, goes, goes crazy because there are, there, nobody's ever held accountable. And then when something happens like, like what happened last night, 
everybody on the other side screams, oh, well, oh, look at this. They're unlawful. They shot, you know, they shot. So these cops got shot. But the difference is we know for, we, we are 100% sure that whoever shot those cops will be brought to justice. And, and right. we're also 100% sure that whoever shot uh, Breonna, T- Breonna Taylor will not be brought to justice. That's the difference. But, yeah, I mean, it's all, it is such a, because at the very end of the day, uh, the law and order, POTUS 45, wins either way. You know, right. because A, you kill a black person, uh, and B, when people respond, you can say, look at this, no law and order. Then right. now they're, they're killing a black Somebody, somebody, uh, even remember yesterday, whatever they were telling, because there were two sheriffs who got um, shot somewhere else, and they were t- saying, LeBron, what, what is he going to protest that? Right. That, I remember that. actually instigating, right. you know. So it, it, it's um, it's such a and, and this is the whole thing of this administration is that put yourself in where you can't win. I mean, you can't lose. You can't lose uh, if you kill black people. Your base is saying, "Yeah, they deserve it." Right. And then if black people fight back, you're saying, "Look at that law and order." And then the third thing is that you know you could have white supremacists involved in these, you know, in these shootings, you know, almost plants to right. like create the narrative of law and order, right. you know, so it's really, um, and that's the thing too, just, just to get back to that quickly about the police being shot. I mean, one of the things that, that people were saying last night is, is they weren't sure who shot, like, it depends who shot those cops. Like, we don't know. It could have been friendly fire. We don't know. Right. We, it could have been the militias that were out there uh, right. for whatever reason. So we don't even know, you know, why those cops were shot. So we can't even jump to that conclusion that it was, anybody, right. it was anything, you know, from protesters per se. Yeah, and you see more and more of that, you know, in Wisconsin, all these places where you've got these militias, uh, these white supremacists, uh, where they got the boogaloo, you know, right. who say, oh, this is perfect. We could, we could infiltrate this. We could cause mayhem. We could create violence, uh, and it feeds into a thing of, uh, you know, law and order, race war, and all that. So, um, and even call, I, even I, calling I, them even calling them militias is probably, you know, giving them way too much credit. I mean, they're just they're just thugs and and gangs. If it were if it were black people carrying guns, they would just be thugs and gang members. It wouldn't be anything about and that's all these people are thugs. You know, um, yeah, you know, like animals. You know these, these people are animals, uh, but it, it gets to the the thing. And of course, we can't do it on this show. Is okay. So what do you do right. when you've got this sort of particularly? And and I think as the closer you get toward the election, and the more frightened these people get, uh, frightened that white people get that they're going to lose privilege, mm. frightened, you know, fear that this guy in the White House stirs up stirs up the fear that you're losing ground and fear that you're being overtaken by these black and brown people. Is there any way to combat this? And this has been going on for centuries. I mean, that right. hasn't just started. I mean, you now, you know, so what do you, um, you know, how do you combat this? Do they, if you're in the NBA, if you're in the NFL, I mean, you know, everybody's talking about great games in the bubble, WNBA playoffs. Well, looking forward to Thursday night football. Right. How do you, you know, I mean, you know, how do you combat this? 
Yeah, no, I think. Yeah, I think the players, they're doing what what they can. You know, they, you know, we just had the Bucks boycott playoff games. Um, you know, the the NBA bubble. They're doing. They're trying to get out every message they possibly can. Players are are definitely emboldened. I mean, you could find quotes from any number of NBA and WNBA players on this, um, and and speaking in very harsh terms about how. Uh, how disappointed they are, and how you know, you know how disappointed they are in the country, and and the and the criminal justice system. So, so I think that is a positive because in the past, you know, many less people were speaking out about it. And it's like what you always say: it's a relay race, not not a not a sprint. So right. the M- the NBA has to keep doing NBA, WNBA, all these other leagues. Whoever has whoever has whoever has that right conscience needs to continue to speak out and understand that that none of this stuff is going to stop. It, right. may, it, may, it may never stop, but it's not going to stop right away. It's not going to stop anytime soon. So, you know, like you always say, it's a relay race and we have to do what we can, um, but we can't expect, you know, some, some quick resolution to any of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, meanwhile, you know, back at, at the ranch, and again, there's no easy, graceful way to uh, to segue from, uh, you know, the Uncle Tom Attorney General. And uh, and again, I know that's, people are going to hear that, and I'm sure that out of our thousands of listeners, we may have one Republican, you know. <laughs> right. We got some ops out there just listening to see what, what we're saying. Yeah, and then they'll say, wait a minute, you know, why does he have to be an Uncle Tom? And, and, and I'm sure that if you're, if you're a black Republican, Who's for POTUS 45, and you know there's a high-profile. Um, uh, yeah, there are high-profile people who fit that description. You right. know, they'll say, "Well, how, how, why you got to call a name? Why right. has he got to be an Uncle Tom?" And I, I mean, that, and that's a legitimate. That's a legitimate question, right. I guess. I'm sure that if you talk to this guy, Cameron, you know, just like Clarence Thomas, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure. Clarence Thomas probably sees himself as a brother. You know, like. He likes football, and I, clearly we know he likes, you know, dirty jokes. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I guess that is a legitimate question, that just because I disagree with you, just because I choose to be a Republican, why do I have to be an Uncle Tom? And um, I don't know. Well, yeah, a, you know, I mean, there's a, long, there's a long history to it, you know, and if, if, the, if the shoe fits, I mean, it basically means you're not looking out for the rest of your people. Um, right. And that you're, you know, you're you're trying to take the short road to, to brief success, right? And, right. Uh, you know, I, 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 like you said, it's 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 a fair it's a fair debate to have. But I agree with you. I think, you know, an uncle, Uncle Tom is an uncle. It's just it's just a saying. You know, there there are worse there are worse things to be called. I guess. I get well, race traitor. And again, you know, I guess it's, if you get legal scholars and they're saying this guy follows the the law where but no no yeah i'm not yeah i can't buy that one you know i mean you know as as an attorney everybody indictments are not hard to come by i mean there's always been that long the long standing joke you can indict a ham sandwich so to so for these all of a sudden when it's a when there's a, a a white cop shooting a an unarmed black person man or woman all of a sudden these indictments become so hard to come by but in any, in any right. other case it's the it's the, there's no issue with getting 
with, with getting people indicted. Let the average right. drug dealer sell, you know, a $5 nick of, of marijuana on the street. He, you know, he could get indicted. Well, you know, you know, Jamal, I think of the case in Minnesota maybe two years ago where this policeman of color, uh, a, 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 this white woman called uh, the police because of an intruder or something, and this uh, police officer showed up, and this one policeman ended up killing this white woman that she was a she was a tour or something like that. Mm-hmm. And man, this cat was like it didn't take a lot of time for this cat to be called up on charges and right. dismissed from the force. So right. again, if if it's two black officers firing into a complex. Yeah. And a white woman, and our wife was asleep, gets murdered. We know that a the policeman would be strung up. They might they they may not have, they may be strung up, you know. So again, it's, it's it's telling all of us what we know that the perception of black life is that black life is worthless, is cheap, right? And that you could take a black life, no matter whether you're a vigilante in Georgia. Right. Uh, a white policeman in Minnesota, a uh, policeman in Kentucky, any, anywhere in any of the 50 states. And chances are, because black life is perceived to be worthless and meaningless, uh, unless you play NFL football and run the touchdowns, or you're doing something that somehow benefits the white owners, plantation owners, right. your life is meaningless. Unless you are deemed to be, uh, you know, the Jackie Robinson, which means... You know, what integration did was it said, oh, okay, we're going to take, <laughs> integration, we're going to take the best, uh, the best blacks, the blacks who can make us money. Right. We're going to say they're different. And that goes all the way to the blacks who play for Alabama, the blacks who play for, you know, we'll, the message there is that you Negroes are special. Right. You know, you, are, you have a special value. Why? Because you benefit us. But if you do not benefit us, your lives are meaningless. So if you're Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, uh, any of us. If you're, if, if we have not deemed you to be special to us, then your lives are meaningless. And so, the quest is how the, the, the relay race for one generation to another is to basically fight that, resist that. We do have meaning. Our lives are valuable. And um, I guess the end of that is how do you make people pay for cheapening our lives? And that gets back to the whole thing: Black Lives Matter, MFs. You know. Right, right, and it goes it goes both ways. Not just the victim um, being black, but also, like you said, you know, when it, when black people uh, commit these crimes, they are punished. So it's, it's the right. other side of it too. Um, you know, people always talk about black on black crime, and why don't you why don't you worry about that? Well. The fact is, when when black on black crime occurs, they usually catch the perpetrators and they and they get convicted of a crime and they do a lot of time in jail. Okay, that's like the that's part of the story of America, at least especially in the last 60, 70 years. You know, sixty. Right, and there's plenty of white on white crime too. I mean, right. I mean, there's plenty of white on white crime. There's you know. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a misnomer in, in general. Yeah, I mean, I, the idea is that. You know, if it's quote unquote black on black, what you know, black person isn't killing black person because you're because he's black. Right. It's because it could be passion or a deal gone bad or whatever. Yeah, we're in the same black, neighborhood. Who else are we gonna kill? Yeah. You know, the, yeah. these are the people but around I mean, us. Right, but this is targeted. These white people are targeting because you are black. Right. We know nothing about you, but we're targeting you because you are black. 
And we know that the systemic racism, that black lives mean very little, you know. So, right. and, uh, and, and there, was a, there was a case in New York in, the, in one of the projects where a couple cops were chasing guys down and they, and they were shooting and they ended up shooting the wrong kid and killed the kid. And one of the cops was indicted and, and, and sentenced to jail and it was an Asian cop. It wasn't even a white cop. So right. I think a lot of it does have to do with race, even, even as far as the perpetrator goes. Yeah, but, it's all, yeah, but even with this, this clown camera, Mm -hmm. And again, I'm sorry, you know, you know, well, you know, hey, you know hey. that, yeah, I know, he's, you know, bozo. I said, what am I calling him, bozo? Uh, that um, they're even, you could be black, and as long as you play by those, you embrace that law that black lives is cheap. Right. Black lives don't matter. You could be a black person, right? And as long as you pledge allegiance to that, that dictum, you know, that you say, yeah, I agree, that black lives are cheap. Right. then you become Mitch McConnell's protege. Right. But part of that pledging session is that, you know, some place that, listen, I'm down, I'm down with this overall white supremacist attitude toward black people that black, and there are plenty of black folks like that. Right. That could be black folks on the police force. So I think our challenge has always been, you know, we've been, you know, in the fifties, we want somebody black to hold these positions. And they said, okay, we'll give you somebody black. We'll give you, we'll give you uh this guy Cameron, or right. we'll give you, uh, 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 what's the name, Top Clarence Thomas. You know, we'll give you, you know, down the line. We'll, we'll, we'll hire black broadcasters. Okay, well, hire this person turns out they're more conservative than a lot of white folks. So right. I guess when we clamor for black folks, we now have to be, we have to be very specific. So now we just don't want anybody. We want somebody who believes that Black Lives Matter, who right. values Black Lives. You know, so you know that's uh, that's it. Well, how, how, how about those heat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about how, yeah? How about those heat, man? How about those heat? On a happier note, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, my brother, the great Gerard Roden, uh, opera singer. He's going to be joining us from Ulm, Germany. Uh, where, uh, you know, although he's in Germany, Gerard is a lifelong, you know, we grew up in Chicago, Gerard is a lifelong Chicago sports fan, and he loves Chicago Bears, so he's going to join us, he's going to talk about the passing of Gale Sayers, and he's going to talk about the 2-0 Bears uh, when we come back. Hello, everybody, welcome back to, to uh, Bill Roden on Sports, with Jamal Murphy in uh, Brooklyn, and joining us uh, live from Ulm, Germany, uh, my brother, the great Gerard Roden, uh, tremendous singer, tremendous entertainer, uh, great opera singer, uh, getting ready to give a cop. But more than that, he's a Chicago Bears fan. The Bears are 2-0. Hi, Gerard. How are you doing? Go Bears! Go Bears! Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, trust me, they will. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that, Gerard. But, uh, uh, but you are two, two things, man. I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, Gail Sayers passed away uh, a couple of days ago, and um, you know, you know, I was a few years old, and I remember, you know, '65 when they drafted him. Uh, they drafted him, and they drafted Dick Butkus, and uh, that was a great one or two years. But the, what are your your memories, Gerard, of uh, the great Gail Sayers? Well, you know, I just started watching football, uh, aware of watching football in 63. 
And I remember, uh, I don't remember the championship at all that the Bears won. So I was just kind of waking up to be a football fan. And Gail Sears, Dick Butkus thought, wow, this is going to be a great team. And I remember the game against San Francisco when he got those six touchdowns. We were living oh, wow. in 97th and Morgan. I had a splitting headache that day. And I was going to lie down. I couldn't. But I just had to watch every touchdown. They were playing in, in mud. I said, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you and I uh, used to joke about Gail. Uh, that, I mean, look, he did these commercials, you know, and uh, yeah, and it was great because he really back then he was kind of he came from Kansas City. I mean, Kansas, called the Kansas Comet, and he was doing all these great commercials. And uh, it's great how he eventually worked on his delivery and all that, and actually became really, really smooth and all that. <laughs> but, well, he, he was not in danger of becoming an orator. No. <laughs> Yeah, but he worked on. He became, you know, uh, you know, he, he, you know, an entrepreneur. But one of the things I remember reading, reading is uh, one of his old bits that, you know, he wanted to become a head coach or, or at least an assistant coach. And unfortunately, that was during the time when usually former black athletes were not given any kind of grace. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, when you had white players equal to Sayers who would become assistant coaches, whatever. He was saying that's one of the things that was a big regret in his life that he was not given the opportunity, as great as he was, to be reabsorbed as a Bears organization or in the NFL to you know become a head coach or not even a head coach, just a coach, right? A scout. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember if they used, used him as a scout or any anything at all. I think obviously the the greatest tragedy that you know the career was was so short. Uh, it's, it's very rare you have someone maybe think of Andrew Luck or something like that, but uh, Gail Sayers is a much bigger, bigger level. Uh, such I mean, five years the guy, you know, plays five years and, and set records and it made such an incredible impact. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to have seen had he played longer. Maybe if he would have been the first ones, they would have invited uh, to be a coach because a lot of that is this political. You know, they want to not just have people who are good. They want to have people who touch everybody who are on the team somehow. And it would have been interesting if he had played 10, 15 years, um, if they would have, as, as an ambassador, uh, reached out to him. And we'll, we'll never know that. Well, yeah. Sales was never, you know, Sales was obviously way before my time. But he's one of those guys who, you know, when I saw his highlights for the first time and, and every time after that, it was just so, he was so dynamic. He was like, you, you instantly knew, like, this guy could play now. You know, right. he was, he would, right. like, you know, his, his kick returns or punt returns. I mean, he was just, like, on a whole nother level, you know, just from the highlights. And you're like, wow, like, he's one of those few guys where you see old highlights and you're like, wow, you know, I, I wish he was, I wish I would have seen that. You know, I wish I was there he, he to made, see that. He, this jukes and all that. He made it look like everybody else was in slow motion. Yes, like right, the Wizard right. of Oz, when it's suddenly in color, Gail Sayers was in color, and everybody else is in black and white. <laughs> right, right. That's, right. Great. That's a great analogy. You're right. It's almost like You're watching right. Jordan play against guys in the 80s, you know? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can watch Jordan. There's certain people you can watch and say, okay, this guy could play in any generation. Right. He was just, that probably, like, like you said, Drew, that's such a great analogy. He was in, in Technicolor, <laughs> black and white. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I remember we were watching Randy Moss once. Because, I mean, the thing about Sayers is that he had moves, man. I mean, he would just he would just leave motherfuckers. You know what I mean? He would like, it was like, that, that game you referenced, Gerard, 
in the mud. It was like he was playing on dry land. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, he was like people slipping. And he and then don't be the last guy. I remember once, one I think it was that game. The, the, it was a punter, the last guy, and <laughs> I mean, it was hopeless. The move he put on this guy. But I remember we were sitting, and uh, me and Mike Wilbon were sitting uh, in uh, the uh, Metrodome, and the Minnesota Vikings were playing. And Randy Moss put a, put a Gale Sayers move on it. And, and I mean, he he. This cat broke his ankles. And I remember we looked and we said, you know what? That was a Gale Sayers move right, where right. it was such a great move. Speaking of that, Gerard, the Bears are 2-0. You know, uh, the Bears are 2-0. <laughs> what, what, what are you thinking? I know that, uh, you know, we, we said, let's get Gerard on now. You know, <laughs> right. the season is young. Is, uh, Trubis- you is Trubisky the answer? Well, okay, that depends on what the question is. <laughs> what, what do you mean by the? <laughs> right, right. If he could play, you know, you can say that about anybody. He could play consistently. There was one of the touchdowns that was really, it was Aaron Rodgers, the way he got out of trouble and threw balls on the dime. I think what I liked about the game, he was being very aggressive. Even, you know, that interception, he didn't have to throw that ball. He gave the guy a chance to make a great play. It didn't happen. Another one's a deflection. I think... That's what the Bears need, someone who's going to challenge them because that's going to open up a lot of other things. And he'll either complete the passes or he won't. But I think it just makes the offense much more interesting. You know, the guy, he's going to, he's going to challenge you. Um, I think that there will be some good about that. But the Bears were losing those games last year. You know, they might not be that much better, but they lost to San Diego, you know, and they lost to the Raiders. And they won a couple of games. It could have gone the other way uh, in a very strange season like, you know, right now. But we'll just have to see. It's nice to see them running the ball. The defense isn't playing. Well, you can say they're not playing really up to par, even though they're third in the league in points allowed, which is probably the most important uh, statistic. But, you know, New York, <laughs> we'll see, you know, Atlanta when they play, you know, teams who, who like to score points. What's the schedule, Jamal? Do you know their schedule? Who they play? Atlanta's next team. Yeah, Atlanta's next. Atlanta's, that, that should be a double. Where? Or, in Atlanta or, or in Chicago? I think in Atlanta. In, in Atlanta, yeah. yeah. That could be a problem. Well, Atlanta's 0-2, and they're, and they're, you know, figuring out ways to lose. So I, right. I, I, give, I give Chicago a chance there, a pretty good chance. But what, what about this? Are you happy with what the, what the Bears did in the offseason? Because, you know, they, gave, they, they, had, they had the quarterback situation, and they decided to give money to, to Nick Foles, who Trubisky ends up beating out anyway. Uh, and you could have had Cam Newton for, for like $5. Yeah, that was actually, uh, that was the move I kind of expected. Um, I think they, they want Trubinsky to, to succeed. And I think Foles is also brought in as, as, as a mentor. But yeah, I think Cam Newton would have been, because of the kind of ball that he plays, and that would have been, that would have been the fit. Um, well, uh, I, I'm so happy. That, no, Gerard. They, I, no, no. That, I, that would have been the kiss of death. I, I would rather at least him have him with Belichick you know, because at least Belichick, he, he's got, you know, he's got a, uh, something to prove. Belichick's got something to prove, you know, that you're here saying it was Brady. He said, no, it was me. It was my system. And I think Cam Newton's got something to prove. Where the Bears, you know, they do they do they ever have anything to prove? I mean, I think it's, they never have anything to prove, you know. <laughs> We're here, too. Yeah, but speaking of Cam Newton, wasn't that, that uh, Seattle – and 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 uh, and Patriot, I and mean, that was a game. That was that, yeah, that was, was a great, great game. game. 
Yeah. Not those Super Bowl quality. No, really. And that was. was a great game. You know, you know what, what is so, you know, Gerard, you look at the time when you first started looking at quarterback. You were a high school quarterback. Gerard played quarterback in high school. In fact, I remember we used to go to Oakdale Park, right. and Gerard was uh, the quarterback, you know. And um, one of my first sessions, by the way, is with you and Mark Washington. I remember that at Oakdale. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mark actually, uh, I, I thought that was like beneath him to work out with us. You know, <laughs> I, was about, you know I was about three. You had to carry me on your shoulder to run the patterns and put me down. <laughs> yeah, no, but Gerard was, was, was a quarterback, and he actually played uh, played for Harlan. Uh, I, I still, I've got the football that we that we used. Uh, well, that's what like, football but, is. <laughs> <laughs> but but Gerard, but back then, if somebody told you that thirty some years later, you could have almost on any given Sunday, you'd have weeks in a row two quarterbacks playing, two black quarterbacks playing against each other. That uh, one black quarterback would be the MVP of the league. Uh, another quarterback would win the Super Bowl. You know, would you? Would, would you, would, would you have thought that? No, obviously back then. It's not just a matter of, of one or two quarterbacks. There was the NFL.com. Uh, they were rating, you know, the mobile quarterbacks and, and the, the double threats. And like five of the first six names on there were all black quarterbacks. I found that very, you know, very interesting. You know, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a huge change. You know, but the question is, what does that have to do with society when you have this quarterback position you know, intelligence, teamwork, planning, and a lot of black quarterbacks are proving themselves. So somewhere in the back of some people's heads, there's something has to have changed to allow that besides the fact that they make a lot of money for the team. I mean, who wouldn't want to have Mahomes except for the Bears? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder about that also, because when, when people talk about the position, the quarterback now, and I'm just really thinking about this right, you know, for the first time now, it's almost like, the whole intelligence factor of the quarterback position, they don't really talk about that anymore. You know, everything, you know, all the coaches are making the calls, you know, all you have the, you have the headsets. So it's almost like, and, and now with the running quarterback, I, always, I almost feel like they, they act now like it's just another position. It's just another right. athletic position. And they don't talk about, uh, the intelligence factor and, you know, guys calling their own plays or, you know, no, you know, I guess reading defenses is still an issue. But, but, but you're right. You go, go ahead, I George. disagree with you on that because I think well, the, the decision-making, that's what they talk about. That's the thing where the re-intelligence, because you can coach, you can call, as Mr. Howard always used to say, Sherman Howard, now I can call the right play and I can train you, but sometimes you got to stand and you just got to take the hit. So being able to make that right decision at the right moment, that's the kind of intelligence, being able to read the defenses and that, that change, uh, and this is kind of a scientific sort of job. So I think it's another kind of you know, calling of a play. I mean, you, you, can, you can map that up days, days ahead of time, but when you're standing up there with these 300-pound guys chasing you, and one of your receivers might be free, but he might not be because the safety's kind of playing lame duck. And, you know, that's, you know, we talk about Russell Wilson. That's right. the brilliance about him, not just that he can run, but when he's moving, or you see Aaron Rodgers, when they're moving around, they, they find that guy. And that's the thing that makes a difference. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree that it's, it still takes a lot of intelligence to play to play that position. But I'm, I just feel like it's not the, you know, announcers or the you know, media doesn't emphasize it the way they used to. 
Yeah, I wonder if they say, well, that's an intelligent black horse. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> like old I mean, you don't hear, you don't hear like, you know, when they when they describe Lamar uh, Jackson, they're just talking about how athletic he is. They don't, they're not saying, you know, oh, you know, you know, he 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 read the safety there, and uh, you know, yeah. they're not really going right. into it like they would other people. Because I'm not watching, I don't watch full games. I get highlights and, and read the, the, you know, the commentary. And then you, you always hear this, you know, good decisions, bad decisions. And that was the thing about uh, Lamar Jackson. They were saying that he wasn't making good decisions all the time. And that was keeping them from this next step. And obviously something happened, uh, you know, yeah. that, 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 that's clicking. I kind of I agree with both of you. I mean, I was about to go all in and agree with Jamal. But I think you're right, Gerard, in that, in that, Regardless of what broadcasters say, yeah. coaches know that you better have somebody back there who can make that play work, right. who, who's got the decision-making, yeah, who's capability, but also can, you know, uh, can make your play work by good decision-making and all that. Now, how broadcasters decide to spin it, you know, like they different can still, question. yeah, there's a different yeah. question. You you know, these still guys are still like, when they talk, because remember, most of these broadcasts play-by-play play, are white men. And when they talk about quarterbacks, they talk about themselves. You know, they talk about, yeah, Grace under pressure. Oh, my God. Just such, oh, he's just so smart. Drew so-and-so. Well, you know, you can't mess with Aaron Rodgers, you know. So still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they talk about themselves. But I think the coaches know that, that when they put the field with Russell right. and with Terry yeah. Pitch, why well, Tyrod Taylor, how do you miss the guy's chest bone and puncture his lung? You know, and now you got yeah, well that's another that's another thing. Uh you know, that sounds like you could be a Chicago Bears trainer. <laughs> well, I mean the, if you're talking about, you know, Harlan High School, but you know, these guys get a lot of money and you know, that's that, I don't understand that either. You know. That's... Right, right. Hey, hey Gerard. Uh, before we let you go, that's what they always say. Before we let you go, first, <laughs> <laughs> listen, Gerard. You um, obviously you're you're in Ulm, Germany, uh, and now uh, Germany's done pretty well with the virus and all that. You're back to performing, right? You're back to performing uh, in front of in front of crowds now, in front of uh, in the theater. Well, I wouldn't call them crowds exactly. <laughs> but we have a big audience. You know, our our uh, our big house—that's uh, what they call it, the big house. We could sit uh, 852 people, and we're allowed 199. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's a huge difference. A concert I'm singing. We moved it from a, uh, a building next to the church into the church because I would have only had 35 people uh, in a room that seats 500. In the church, I can get 120 even though 700 or 800 could would, would fit because they're very high ceilings. So we're doing the current concert twice. Uh, there's a lot of creativity that's having to go on. Um, there's been some critic, I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, uh, in, our in our theater that we could be doing more to have more, uh, more performances because you're obviously talking about how many people do you get in a week? How many people in a month? And if I can only get for a performance, 199 people, then maybe I need to start thinking about, well, maybe I can do two performances in an evening, at least on Saturday and Sunday, two or three. And maybe you do a, a, an opera for an hour and a half, a shorter opera, and afterwards, a one-man uh, piece with a piano so that you're a small a combo. And those are the things that people are looking at. And how do we even get on stage? We're not even doing fully stage productions because they don't know how to rehearse. 
you know, right. we, we have our, our, our chorus, we're only allowed 12 people on stage from the chorus, and we have 20 members. So, you know, we, you know, eeny, meeny, meeny, okay, you get to go on this time. So, um, we are, we are doing pretty well with our numbers, also in Ulm. Uh, it's very challenging. I've been very, very blessed because we've been in, uh, not like in America, but just fired everybody. You know, we've been continuing <laughs> to get our salary. Um, there have been some small programs and a lot of things that we've been doing uh, to, you know, to keep present things on the internet and stuff like that. It doesn't happen in America. That's why it, it, it's just a disaster. Uh, the cultural situation where really good people, stars, are on the streets from today after, from uh, one day to the next. You know, and we're not there. Can you, yeah. can, you just ex can you just expand on that a little bit in terms of from which you know from where you are in Germany and how you guys have dealt with the pandemic, and then so you looking at America and and the problems we're still have or you know, problems we're having. You know what's what's the difference that you see? Well, the biggest difference in the very beginning, we didn't have someone say, well, you know, go out in the streets and be happy and, and fornicate on the streets and forget this thing. And then a month later, say, oops, sorry, I didn't mean fornicate. I mean, you know, wear a mask. When, you know, uh, we didn't have that kind of confusion. Um, Germans like to discuss things. And obviously, after the, the history with the National Socialism, there's always this big discussion about freedom. And some people were surprised. A, a friend of mine, actually my brother-in-law, uh, who was saying he was very surprised that the Germans didn't immediately protest about losing some of their freedom about wearing the mask. And some of that's happening now. And it's not just about the virus. It's the whole the basic question of freedom and what can the government do uh, and under certain situations. And these are kind of, uh, these are two things. And I, um, even though I'm a mask wearer and I'm being very careful, I understand this question about freedom because the Germans have a, an incredibly awful and bloody history about that. And uh, as much as they also remember the Holocaust, they also remember what happened to the other uh, civilians. So there's that going on. Um, the, the restaurants were able to open up much earlier here, even inside. Uh, we, were, uh, we were in Berlin, I think four times. We went to Berlin in, on the, in Easter time. There was like nothing. You know, the big Kuda, that's the big Einkauf uh, Street, the big uh, uh, shopping center, nothing. A little tumbleweed and a couple of skateboards. Uh, we went there a few weeks later, the 1st of May, that's the big uh, holiday here. A little bit more, uh, we went there a few weeks later, and it, it, you know, it, it picked up. The hotel right. where we were staying in, we were the only guests the first time. They had three other rooms the next time, weren't able to use the restaurant. Um, but on the other, other hand, you started to see, as I said, restaurant, everybody opened up the streets. In the summer, helped us a lot, beer gardens, yeah. uh, there's a lot of activity, but people weren't traveling, so. Speaking of traveling, will it be safe for me to visit you in December? I wouldn't really suggest it, Will, I'd say. I mean, not wow. from, from your spec, standpoint, from ours, uh, you know. <laughs> America is not really... You know, no, no Americans, no Americans. Yeah, I mean, just I'll say the same thing. Our Korean friends here wanted to visit Korea, and their relatives said, don't come. <laughs> you know, because wow. the Korean numbers are really good, and they didn't want people coming, coming from Europe. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is not the time to do to travel. And I think um, it's only my opinion, uh, but I think back in March, when, when Trump started creating chaos, I thought it was pretty obvious the way this is going to play out. He's going to create chaos to try to prevent or to distort the elections. And what I didn't realize, you know, the thing with the postal office, with them running out of money, uh, it's a pretty obvious thing. And I, I just asked 
if a black person had done that, his feet, you know, he'd be hanging from his feet somewhere in the Capitol building. And I'm just, it's just, it's an exclamation point on the deep-rooted racism and then the systematic, we're going to hold on to this control. That's actually beyond just racism. It's a kind of a classism thing. Right. And I'm just surprised that the American people tolerate that. Well, that, and that's going to be the referendum. I mean, our, 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 is the racism and the, the, the wanting to hold on to privilege, you know, white privilege, goes beyond Democrat, independent, Republican. It's like, are, are white people so afraid and so intent on holding on to privilege that they're going to let this guy get in? I'm kind of with you, so little faith in a lot of my fellow white Americans that, you know, that they're not going to let this guy get away with it because... Well, Bill, I think the thing is, that's the, the tragedy. It's not a black-white thing. There's a certain right. group of, of white people who have this control, and they do this wonderful thing that happens in dictatorship. They convince the poor white people that the black people are their enemy. Right. That's the black right. people who are holding them back. Right. Don't look behind the curtain. And I think right. if we could be on that, this would, that's what got Bobby Kennedy killed. We realize that said if we get these poor white people and these poor black people together and get them on board, then we have another kind of country. And some people say we don't want that. Right. We want the black people. Right. Want, they have to fight each other. And I think um, some of the things that Black Lives Matter. I think some of the things that the NFL has been saying officially that it might be a sign that we're that we're moving beyond that. Yeah, the people in power now. It's going to be tough to 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 wrestle it from them. Uh, now that they're in power and now that they have control right. over the elections, um, it's it's a, it's, a, it's like it's scary times right now. Yeah, but don't, don't forget this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Jim, you've got you're running a big weapon industry and you've got a, a huge house and a big yard. Your kids are going to private schools. Would you freely give that up? Right, and that's the question: Is, is would you share that? You've got right. you've got it going on. You've got the three houses, you've got, you're right, you're, everything you said is correct. And then somebody says, okay, we want you to give that up. We want you to share. The reality is that there's probably enough for everybody, but right. that's not the way capitalism works. Capitalism works that if, if they gain, you lose. You know, and you convince people that. If, if black people gain or brown people gain, you lose. Not that there's enough for everybody. That's not the mantra over here. That, right. They're not saying there's enough for everybody. Well, that's, that's also different. I mean, Germany is not perfect, uh, but the social system, uh, there is a really big social net uh, here. And obviously, it's being strained to this situation, but that's not it in Germany, in America. And so, yeah, you either win or you lose. If you lose, it's your own fault. But I think if the country as a whole raises its level, yeah, everybody's better. And that's, that's the message that Obama tried to play with a little bit, but they stopped him every way, you know, he's trying to name uh, McCain to a high position was a symbol, okay, what happens if we're a team and we do this, if we don't do that, you know? Right. right. We, we right. won't share, this is ours. Uh, and I right. think people realize that the streets might be safer uh, if people aren't hungry. Uh, I think that, that's where it's going right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Gerard, listen, uh, this has been tremendous. Uh, hope that the, uh, uh, give us a prediction, uh, if you can, about how are your Bears. You, I mean, who knows? There's only two games of the season. But do you predict Chicago getting into the playoffs and doing well? 
Oh, it's really, particularly this season, it's really hard to, to, to pick that. I think if some of the positive trends uh, continue, uh, I think the, the Bears could have a really success this year. It's a question, is this really progress from Strabinski or are they just bad, bad teams? Also, uh, the offense picking up. There was a, an almost interception by Eddie Jackson that was just a mistake in running into the guy, uh, which means they left seven points on the field. Uh, left another four points on the field when Miller dropped a really perfect pass from Trevinsky for a touchdown. That, that can't happen. I think the potential is there, uh, particularly uh, I think the Vikings are not superhuman this year, so the Bears could assert themselves at least at, at a second team. If the, if the defense picks up and the offense plays like I think is capable, they're starting to run the ball now, it could be interesting. I think in the AFC, there are much more, much bigger hurdles and much more of them to fight in the NFC right now. You know, I think there are a lot more mortal teams uh, in, in the NFC. Obviously, Seattle looks great, even though uh, defensively, that was not a defensive battle between New Orleans right. uh, and, and Seattle. And, and Green Bay didn't look like it was a great defensive game. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, it could be an interesting year, but it's, it depends on the positive trends. That's a good yeah. point, because NFC, NFC is pretty wide open. Uh, definitely compared to the AFC, and you got the Chiefs. You know the Chiefs and Ravens actually actually play Monday night, so you got Mahomes versus Lamar. So yeah, you know, all the star powers in the AFC right now, except for I guess Brady's in Tampa Bay now. Well, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah, but I think so, you can't you can't count the Patriots out. They got any really no. good defense, and I um, will be very curious to see. I mean that they really did run that same play three times. I mean, that's, 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 that's heavy. And it looked like, you know, uh, uh, Cam Newton just walked in. And the one time when he threw the pass, he took one step and everybody ran in, you know. So that, that, could, that could be interesting. But I think Kansas City and, uh, and Ravens, they're the, they're the class of the entire league right now. Uh, New Orleans, mm. you know, San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, it's open. it's wide open. Could be the Bears here. You never know. Yeah, you know, you know, it could be Oakland. It could be it could be Las Vegas. Las Vegas yeah, Raiders. Yeah, exactly. And what what's with what's with Wentz? I have to ask one question. You know, a few years ago, Wentz was like you know the new melted butter, <laughs> and and then ever since Foles jumped but, you know, in, he's from never the he's never finished the season. No matter how much they rave about him, he's mm -hmm. never finished the season. <laughs> you yeah. know, and here he is. You know, I'm wondering when are they going to get hip to this guy? That it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, now that he, he still, he's got a guy a ring in his eighth, tenth year as a backup. Right. Right. He'll right. be Nick Foles. He'll come in at, in like the, you know, like the tail end of the season. Like Earl Morrill, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, Earl Morrill. And well, it's been 10 years, but well, it's better late than never. Yeah. No, it's gotten to the so, point, you know, everybody used to compare him, uh, Wentz and Dak Prescott. And now, I mean, it's not even a, it's no competition. I think Dak Prescott is the better quarterback by far. I don't think right. they're comparing Wentz to anybody, actually. Right <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Trubisky. Yeah, Trubisky. And also, you know, this big article about, you know, Russell Wilson not being MVP and stuff like that. I mean, the, uh, in Anvil.com, they always talk about he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks who has had such a high level of performance every year. Not, you know, it, it doesn't make any difference who's playing around him. And that was really great to see what he did, uh, you know, on that big game and showing up big time because the lesser quarterback would not have had a chance to win that game, you know. Right. Yeah. 
Hey, Reggie, I have a great concert coming up. Uh, this is a great, uh, my brother, Gerard Roden, uh, coming live to you from Ulm, Germany. And uh, Gerard, we'll be keeping our fingers crossed uh, for uh, the Schönen Bears. Schönen Abend wünsche ich allen. Yeah, great. We love you too. <laughs> have a great evening. Right, you right, too. Bye -bye. Take care. Hey, that was great. Uh, you know, brother Gerard with his perspective on Gale Sayers and the uh, Chicago Bears. Like I said, I told we want to get him on early. Yes, yes. Uh, we got to get him know. right. If if the Bears start rolling, we got to get him right back. Oh yeah, we'll get him back. You know, it we, would we, be like by by week eleven. We'll have him back <laughs> by week eleven. But while we quickly wrap up uh, uh, NBA bubble, looks like Miami's going to roll uh, roll into the finals. I still uh, I still I, I still give I can, back. I still give the Celtics a little you know a little little chance. I think I think they have the most they have more talent offensively. They have a, I mean, it's in the bubble. Anything can happen. I think they can run off at least. I don't. I definitely think they win the next game. And I think Game Six is a war. And and if they get if they get past that, who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll see. You're not buying it. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, it. I thought they really needed yesterday's they game. They did. They did. Uh, yeah. What do you think about Denver and uh, and the Lakers? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a series. <clears throat> uh, just based on. Okay, so Game Two, the Lakers pull one out of the, pull a rabbit out the hat. They hit the last second shot, but that. Denver showed that they could play with them that game. And then the, and then game three, when you think that Denver could be demoralized, they looked more comfortable than ever. They just, you know, they were out there just balling. Like it was like it was nothing. They were they were aggressive and they basically dominated that game. Um, so I think it's a real series. I think Denver definitely could win the next game. I, you know, I originally had the Lakers in six. I, I could see it going seven. We talked about this last week. The last thing the NBA wants to see is a Denver Miami Heat final. Oh man, that's it. We 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 did all this for this, yeah, to get to get Denver and Miami. No way. I think that's possible now. Unfortunately for oh. the NBA. Oh my! Do you think they might just say fuck it? You know, they have no it's LeBron. Not, it's not worth no the. It's, all of a sudden, it wouldn't be worth the uh, COVID risk. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, at least they get Jokic, but that's that's, that's going to go only so far. Right. I mean, they right. get Jokic, but. Yeah, you know, I mean, the average fan—if average fan sees Denver, Miami in the final, and it's, going, and it's up against the NFL or some other game—it's not going to look good for them. Yeah, then you're going to have the World Series and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this might be the time that, that the Major League Baseball is probably cheering. They're pulling for Denver. They're probably pulling for Denver, Miami. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And it's all good. We, we, people may actually watch baseball. Right, that's true. And if the so, Yankees—if the Yankees can come through. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll keep your eye on those officials. We'll see if right. they can keep it. They can keep it close. Yeah. All right, Jamal. Listen, man. Um, this has been great. Uh, just your your final prediction. What, who do you think? It, who, who do you think is going to be in the finals? Not not the not the not the champion. But who, what do you predict? Who's going to be in the finals? Ooh, in the finals. Uh, you know, I guess I got to go Miami now. Um, so I'll say Miami, and I'll say the Lakers squeak by. Uh, they get it together and win in seven. I think I think that Denver Lakers series is is a real series now, and I think the Lakers are really going to have to play their best to 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 get through that. So I but I think they will. So I got Lakers Heat, and I think that's a real series. I think you know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Lakers in five or something, but I think the Heat they're they're showing now they can play with anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, 
you know, they, they, I can't say they've got any you know, superstars to match LeBron and, and Davis. Uh, but then it makes you question Tatum. And, and Brown, everybody's talking about Tatum. I said, well, you got to prove it to me. Yeah, he's not there you yet. Know, they're not there yet. You know, they're like a, they're a step away, obviously. We see that now. I mean, Tatum had zero points in the first half. It's almost like he didn't show up to the second half. And that was, you got to come ready to play the, you know, game four of the, of the playoffs. You can't be a no show for a half. Um, yeah, but so, I don't know what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they were doing to him, but to, to be, to blank him for a half. And, it, and then it, what it, about what did he do with Tyler Hero? Wasn't that Tyler Hero? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he put on a show. Yeah, he put on a show last night. Uh, I mean, and he's never done anything like that before. And definitely on that stage. I mean, he dropped what he at 30, 37, I think. Yeah, 30, 30, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know? wow. Yeah, he was not missing. So, and that's the thing, too. You, you, I can't see him having more games like that, at least. So you got to give right. Boston the chance. But Boston just didn't show up. You know, they. They didn't show up. They weren't ready to play from from the start, and that cost them. Right. Well, you figure, you know, Hayward, you know, his wife just had the fourth child. And, right. You know, Tatum, who knows what. Yeah, Tatum Tatum played like he just had a child or something like last night or something. <laughs> you know? right. right. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, well, anyway, you know, I, I, uh, I, I mean, it's great theater for us. I don't know how they're doing in the bubble. Right. Um, but I, I don't know how they could do it. I mean, just. Stay in one place like that for what? How long have they been there? A couple months, over two months. In the same arena. I mean, that just, there's not that much golf. There's not that much, I mean, that's just a lot. I mean, at least with baseball and with the football, you've got guys, you know, going home and hanging out. I'm not, I don't know if that's great. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great for health wise, but probably better for their mental health, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, so listen, man. You know, next time we talk, we'll looks like we'll probably have a uh, well, the finals, the NFL season. Will it's still not going to shake out for a while, but um, it'll come a little clear. But um, you know, enjoy the enjoy the bubble and be glad you're not in it. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. And meanwhile, people can join us uh, tomorrow. You're going to be on the March on Washington Film Festival panel uh, tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Tomorrow's Friday. Yes, yes. So people can tune. Uh, I'm not sure Eight thirty p.m. It's eight thirty p.m. The March on Washington Film Festival. Um, check it out. Uh, be Jamal Murphy, uh, two of my colleagues at the Undefeated, Soraya uh, McDonald, uh, Monique Jones, uh, Greg Moore, the Arizona Republic columnist, um, uh, Solomon Wilcott. Great analysts for CBS and Sirius NFL Radio, uh, and we'll be in conversation about civil rights and sports. That's Friday at 8.30 in the morning, I mean, at, at night. So uh, find it and check it out. Yeah, check out our social media. We'll, we'll uh, let you know where to find that, uh, March on Washington. Of course, engage with us on social media, at BrosPod, Instagram and, and uh, Twitter, and like and rate the podcast and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Um, listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. That's great. That's perfect timing. I got 3% left on my phone. We'll see everybody next week. Uh, be careful, be safe, be smart. God bless.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.